0: to episode 11 of the After March podcast.
1: I am your co-host, Bobby the Brainless. And I'm Ja Rule. Uh, lots of big things this week in professional wrestling. To me, the biggest thing uh, is TNA looking like they're either going to be sold or go under.
0: Can you believe that this is episode 11 and we're still leading off podcasts with TNA news? I mean, that's just, it blows my mind. It really does.
1: Well, you, you know what? TNA has been... a company that's been around for, you know, 15 years or so, and it seems like every, like, six months or so, you end up hearing a story about them possibly going out of business, but this time it actually feels like it's make or break right now. If they don't sell, they're done.
0: A lot of it has to do with uh, whether or not Billy Corgan, the former lead singer or the current lead singer of Smashing Pumpkins, whatever you want
1: to... They're a kind of on hiatus right now, is uh, trying to
0: purchase the majority stake of TNA. He is a minority owner of the company, and he would like to get in there, get the finances, and try to bring TNA back to where it once was, whatever the hell that is.
1: Well, the thing is, like he did an interview. He was doing some press for uh, Bound for Glory this weekend, and when he was doing that press, what ended up happening – Is he talked about the current situation of TNA and how, you know, when you look at, let's say, football, there are, you know, 32 different teams and no philosophy is different or correct. It's just a different philosophy. Each one of them could bring you as much success as the other one. There are just some that are better at it. And Corrigan's philosophy is he doesn't want TNA to be an afterthought of WWE or WWE light. He wants them to be their own brand, their, and not feel like it's a bunch of WWE castoffs and things like that. So he said his hope is when he buys this company that. He's going to be able to transform it into something that's not what it is now. He wants to get rid of the TNA name, he wants to rebrand the show, and he wants to make it unique. So it's a, a new experience, similar to what I would say. Not that they want to be Lucha Underground, but Lucha Underground is completely different from any other wrestling show out there. And I think he wants to do that. I could definitely see something like
0: that being the situation... Um, one interesting, uh, piece of information that came out about the possible sale of TNA is that the WWE is considering putting in an offer to buy TNA. And if that were the case, I think a lot of people are expecting Vince McMahon to just buy the company, get the library for guys like Samoa Joe and Bobby Roode and AJ Styles and even Sting and just... Say goodbye to TNA, and then he can pretty much fire Damian Sandow for a second time in less than a year.
1: And fire Cody Rhodes for the second time, or get rid of Cody Rhodes for the second time in less than like three months. And on a on a more bigger scale, he could finally delete Matt Hardy. Actually, I don't think he wants to delete him. I want think he wants to reestablish him in WWE, but we'll see where that goes. I mean, Matt Hardy's posted some cryptic tweets that makes it... Sound like perhaps he will be on Monday night raw that's your opinion no that this is just what Matt Hardy has kind of said. He said, uh you know the something about the battlefield uh being drawn and about meeting the seven deities and other things that he was thinking about while doing acid and how <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh you, Basically, he more or less said that, you know, possibly we would see him on Monday, and with the fact that TNA looks like they're either out of money and not going to have bound for glory, you know, you have to go where the money is. He still has a family to feed, so we may see him on USA on Monday. I hope not. Uh, You know I would say there's probably a better chance it doesn't happen. I, I i think he's just kind of playing around but we'll see i just
0: think he's too much of a dumbass to put together like some meaningful tweets that people would actually believe is actually a legitimate tweet and everything so sure let's let us we'll we will uh we'll end that with what i just said because that's just the type of person i am right <laughs> uh also like you said tomorrow is bound for glory you know, there's a couple of key matches, if the pay-per-view actually does happen tomorrow, if they can get the finances all set and everything, because they have been canceling a lot of the Superstars' flights and everything. So a lot of people are getting worried that there might not be one. Uh, Aaron Rex
1: is going to be taking on... Uh, I don't I don't know too much about the card. I know that Lashley's going against EC3. I know that uh, the Hardys are going against uh, Decay for the TNA Tag Team Championships. Um, Alex
0: Andrews or Eric Andrews or something Andrews or Eric Allen or some shit like that is who's going up against Aaron Rex. Okay, who who was formerly known as Damian Sandow as well. Doesn't
1: look like a terrible card. Well, I mean, TNA wrestling-wise, they put a, their shows fine. It's just they did so many things for so many years to kind of messed up what they did. Yeah, uh, as far as like getting too many former WWE guys in, feeling like a a cheaper version, a poor man's version of WWE as opposed to being their own thing. For a while, they had a few things that really were, they had a leg up on. Having the six-sided ring was something that differentiated them. Having an incredible women's division, they call them knockouts division, having that was something that differentiated them. Having a better tag team division differentiated them. They lost All of that. They don't have a better tag division. They don't have better women's wrestling anymore. They went back to the six-sided ring, but for the most part, they lost a lot of their steam because the things they were better at than WWE, they're not anymore. It's because they weren't able to pay
0: those people that they had that made their divisions that much better. Like They lost Velvet Sky, and they lost Bobby Roode, who was part of Beer Money with James Storm you know they lost you know they lost a lot of superstars too Eric Young Eric Young and uh Samoa Joe and some guy named AJ Styles you might have heard of him uh Sting Sting
1: um Kurt uh, Angle Yeah they just lost uh, Angle they uh they had Hogan they had Bischoff they had Flair they had Foley uh those guys uh, for the most part i would say were more of a detriment than they were a positive, Yeah, maybe they brought a little bit of uh, name City. recognition, but that was about it. They didn't really do anything wholly pos- positive for TNA. But
0: yeah, so.
1: I, I, I hope the company survives because, I mean, that would be a lot of people out of work. And, you know, there are only so many jobs out there for guys who are professional wrestlers who could actually, you know, where you can make a living and not have to do something else. Right, I agree. Uh So uh, another, uh you know, it's one of those weird news stories where you're like, what? Jamie Noble got stabbed twice in the parking lot of his trailer park.
0: Yeah, I heard about that from yesterday. Uh I guess what happened was in West Virginia he was driving and he supposedly cut somebody off. And the guy that he cut off got a little disappointed by that.
1: And he went to confront Jamie Noble. Disappointed. He was pissed. I was I was trying to kind of sugarcoat it a little bit. No, no sugarcoating. He was pissed.
0: Oh, come on. you got to let me at least finish half of this beer before I stop sugarcoating everything. <laughs> but uh, the guy got, you know, got a little angry with Jamie Noble and a couple other guys got out of that guy's car and they stabbed him twice. So, Jamie Noble is in critical condition. Jamie, we're sending our uh, thoughts and prayers to you. Hopefully, you do recover Hopefully and, it's a quick recovery, and hopefully at some point maybe we can see you down the road in WWE again. Who the hell knows? But still, get
1: get well soon, dude. Uh, so, from from that sad news to the other sad news of the week, uh, WWE wrestling.
0: You say that like it's a bad thing. You know, if it wasn't for WWE wrestling, we wouldn't be doing a podcast every week. We wouldn't be on episode 11, which is 11 weeks that we've been doing this.
1: I am not sad overall about WWE and being in being in existence and being a professional wrestling fan that is mostly having to do with WWE. But this week in WWE wrestling, it was just plain sad. They stunk up the joint all week, even SmackDown this week. and NXT, I was like, I felt like I wanted that time in my life back. I was extremely
0: disappointed in NXT of the three shows. I I am, you know, what I expect from Monday Night Raw is what I expect from Monday Night Raw. It's three hours of garbage most of the time where you have like a 20-minute promo to kick off the show. Then you have stupid matches, which a lot of times are just rematches from the pay-per-view from the night before. Or Roman Reigns goes over with his golden shovel on somebody. So, you know, with what Raw was, I I, I'm, I know what to expect from Raw. SmackDown is a little bit more watchable. I think SmackDown, of the three shows this week, was the better of the three shows, in my yes. personal opinion.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, when you're comparing, you know, this crap versus that crap versus this crap, it's all crap in the end. Because... You know, we'll start with Raw, because Raw was uh, coming off of the Clash of Champions pay-per-view, which was the first Raw brand exclusive, yet uh, on Clash of Champions we had uh, Rusev losing his U.S. title to Roman Reigns, and they what did they do on Monday? They had the Roman
0: Reigns and Rusev rematch from Night of Champions to
1: kick off the show. Now, mind you, I thought the match was really good, but... What's the purpose of the pay-per-view if you're just going to do the match again? It's going back to this thing where they used to... Pardon me. Pardon you. It it goes back to this thing that they used to do where they would have a match on Raw and then they would have the rematch on SmackDown. Now it looks like they're doing it for every pay-per-view. Oh, they've been doing that for pay-per-views for years. I mean, you think about it. Look at all the years that they did WrestleMania's
0: and then the following night. It's like, we're having a WrestleMania rematch from last night. And it's like, really? Really? I mean, you know, I get that, I mean, that's probably a bad example, but there is, there have been times where they've done stuff like that, and it's not just that pay-per-view, it's a lot of pay-per-views that WWE has done, where it's like, we're going to have the pay-per-view, but let's just have the rematch from the pay-per-view the
1: next night on Raw, because that's what we do, and it's kind of stupid. Well, and it wasn't just that match, they had a rematch of the Tag Team Champions, Uh, New Day and Gallows and Anderson, Uh, New Day cheated on uh, Clash Clash of Champions, to retain their titles. So, you know, they gave uh, Gallows and Anderson a rematch, but you know what? They brought Gallows and Anderson and I thought they were going to be these badasses and they were going to be the ones to overtake the New Day at some point and they've they've kind of fumbled the ball with them.
0: I don't think they fumbled the ball with them per se. I think that was ultimately what the plan was is they were going to have Anderson and Gallows come in and dominate the Tag Team Division. Personally, I think that the whole um, lawsuit that they have that Axe and Smasher Demolition are a part of against the WWE kind of flipped the script, so to speak, where I think that the New Day day is tag team champions a little bit longer than what they had anticipated because of that lawsuit. But hey, I look at it like this. You might be upset about Anderson and Gallows not being tag team champions and being the dominant force. I look at it like this. The New Day is still WWE World Tag Team Champions.
1: Hey, you know, I have no problem with that. Honestly, I think the... Uh-oh. the oh uh, Andre's fallen down. I told you to cut He's down fine. your drinking habits, Andre. Come on, he had 156 beers in a night one time. 156.
0: He, he, he has the Guinness World Record for most beer consumed in one sitting. 156. And you can't teach that.
1: But with, with the the New Day here, I think the end goal eventually with this will be to have Kaz and Enzo be the tag team champions. If that's the goal, either New Day needs to flip and be heels again. I don't think they're going to do that. And there's no way in hell they're making Enzo and Cass heels. Why not have Anderson and Gallows win? So that way you have Enzo and Cass facing Gallows and Anderson. How about this monkey wrench that the WWE kind of threw into the plans for the
0: tag team division? As you know, you were talking about how the the pay-per-view went the way it did. I want to talk about one ending to uh of a match that happened at the pay-per-view that kind of led to something on Monday Night Raw that I'm still kind of, like, scratching my head over. And that was the best-of-seven match series between Sheamus and Cesaro, where That match was awesome on the The pay-per-view. The match was the best match of the night, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, Owens and Rollins had a pretty good match themselves. Uh, Honestly, they're 1-1-A type of situation, but I thought Sheamus and Cesaro put a hell of a match out there. Unfortunately, in the best match of the series. In too. the best match of the series as well. And they kind of just let them fight to a no contest. It's like, you know, what if, you know, after six games of the 2004 ALCS, the Red Sox and Yankees ended in a tie? The,
1: the Obviously, only which thing... wouldn't have
0: happened because it's postseason baseball. But that's that's how I look at it. It's like, you know, a lot of people would have been pissed off if that's how it ended. I was pissed off that that's how it ended. Ultimately, it led to Foley putting Sheamus and Cesaro in a tag team saying that he would rather have them beat up everybody else instead of beating each other and maybe ending one of their careers because they just beat the shit out of each other to a point where they can't wrestle anymore.
1: Well, I definitely could see that, and maybe that that's the way they go, but it almost seems like Sheamus and Cesaro are also going to be a face tag team. So you have Enzo and Cass who are faces, you've got New Day, who are faces, and then you're going to have this new team, who are faces. Uh, every other tag team in Division or afterthoughts right now, so you have one heel tag team. They should have the titles. How could you say that about the Shining Stars? The Shooting Stars? Oh, wait, yeah.
0: Los Matadores. Yeah. Uh, Epico and Primo, or whatever the hell they're going to be called three months from now.
1: But... You know, th- there's just a deficiency in the amount of quality heel tag teams. So I just don't know why they didn't have Anderson and Gallows win because they'd have a whole bunch of opponents that are, you know, on the other side of other side of good or other side uh, of the fence from them.
0: That's kind of like what they did with SmackDown because if you think about it, they had a lot of decent tag teams in SmackDown. They had, they have, uh american alpha they have um the hype bros and they have that they have the tag team champions i know they have the tag team champions and Heath slater and rhino that was kind of like the last team put into the i mean well technically the second the last team put in the tournament because they ended up fighting the headbangers that kind of just came back for a one night thing obviously i would love to see mosh and thrasher come back to the wwe but that's neither here nor there or part of the topic but that's what they did. They had all these tag teams, and they had a lot of face tag teams. So what they do, they change the Usos back to a heel tag team. We'll get back. We'll get into that a little bit later in the podcast. But it's definitely so in your switching? in your
1: in your point. Yeah, I can see them doing something like that. Who do you think would switch out of the teams there? Because right now they kind of have a makeshift team with Owens and Jericho, but that's not long lasting. That's going to be gone soon.
0: Why can't it be Cesaro
1: and Sheamus? The way that they kind of have them right now, they seem oh, yeah, it would more be easy, like their it, faces. Yeah,
0: it would be a much easier thing for Sheamus to become a face than Cesaro to become a heel. But I'm saying they could do it because the last time that she, uh, Cesaro was almost over when he was a heel, they kind of just, like, backed it off and was like, you're still a heel and all this stuff. Yeah. Um <laughs> I I just can't see Enzo and Big Cass right now, the way that they're as popular as the way they yeah, are, the, the, There's being no way. heels. But I can also flip that and say the same thing about the New Day, because the New Day is as over as they are. But
1: but they have showed some heelish tendencies, the yeah. fact that they cheated to win. and
0: Yeah, but Cesaro different. cheated to win one of his matches. I think it was match number five.
1: And that's of, what a heel does. And that's what he, a heel does. You know, that's...
0: There's certain things. I mean, people have heelish tendency even if their uh, faces.
1: Some have them more pronounced than others, but I think New Day's shown that a little bit more lately. As far as, you know, they had the thing where they were pretending that uh, Biggie was hurt. Biggie came out and cleaned house on people. I, I think it was SummerSlam. Yes, that's exactly what it was. So, but you know, this Raw show on Monday w- was just absolute. It, it was the shits. Outside of that, really awesome, uh, thirty-minute match off the top and the highlight reel. Other than that, completely forgettable.
0: They had a couple of squash matches too. They had um, uh, Sheamus and Cesaro actually made their tag team debut against a couple of local jobbers and beat the snot out
1: of them. Uh, but it was a nothing match. It did yeah. nothing. All, all they did is showcase that Sheamus and Cesaro were trying to one up each other. They're, you know, I'm better than you. I'm better than you. Blah blah blah. You know, brogue kicks for everybody. Neutralizers. uh European uppercuts. You know, just trying to show off. Right. And Bailey also had a squash match against
0: um oh, your
1: girl. What, what's that, her name? Anna was... Fields.
0: I think that's what it is. I think it was Anna Fields. um, Gave her some love on Twitter, and uh, she appreciated the love that I sent her on Twitter. I don't think she would appreciate me calling her my girl, but anyway, uh, to be honest, yeah, Monday Night Raw was kind of lackluster. I mean, they announced that next week on Raw, uh, Charlotte's going to be fighting Sasha Banks for the women's title.
1: Well, you know, one other... Kind of bright spot, I I, I actually thought, with Raw, uh, T.J. Perkins. Making his Monday Night Raw debut. Yeah, he, he made his debut, and he had a solid match. Uh, who the heck was it against? Let me... I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat here. I'm going to check my notes. Uh, T.J. Perkins against Tony Nese. Tony Nese, who uh, honestly looks like he belongs in the movie 300. You're cheating. Yep. You I'm know, a heel.
0: You know, the last time... Somebody, you know, you know, a a few years back, and a few years back, Southington High School's head coach was walking to the locker room at halftime and noticed that his opposing team's playbook was on the field, and he grabbed it. Instead of doing the good Samaritan thing of giving the playbook back to the opposing team, he used it to his advantage and cheated. Do you know who that guy was? No. It was D J Hernandez. Hey. It, 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 hold on, hold on. And who is DJ Hernandez?
1: He's Aaron Hernandez's brother. Right. And They're both graduates of Bristol Central High School, a bunch of cheaters.
0: A bunch of cheaters, a bunch of murderers. God, I hate Bristol Central and everything about it. Sorry, Christina, if you actually watch or listen to this podcast. Yeah, well, you're not sorry. You're I had not had to, sorry I had at all. To, I had to throw that out there because, you know what, Take you're from it down. Central, and Take it down you're, cheating, you're cheating. I mean, we cheat every week. It's just that we, we can't get away with it now because people can see what the hell we're doing now. Which Everybody has notes. I will say this, though, Jay, about Raw. If I had to defend Raw in any way, shape, or form for this week, it had the, to go up against the... A debate, the debate that president and Monday night football. Oh, it goes up against Monday night football every year around this time of the year, anyway. But it also went up against a debate between two people who have no right running this country, and that was I thought that would have been a better promo than the twenty minute promo that usually leads off Monday Night Raw. But well, that's why they happen. let it off with a thirty minute match
1: because right. they figured they had to get the match. In. Excuse me.
0: Should have had the highlight reel in the first hour because.
1: I I know that reels. I know that They're I ended up
0: watching the debate. I know you ended up watching the debate, so yeah, it was just
1: you know, I was more entertained by the debate than I was by Monday Night Raw when we ended up finishing off the show because we watched the first hour of it before we t- tuned over. But yeah, I fear for this country. I do too. But you know, uh, another thing. I guess that I would put in the positive uh category for Monday Night Raw is they don't have David Otonga; they have Corey Graves, and when Enzo and Big Cass came out, they came out with like their own specific microphone, and Graves came out with this line, and I quote, Enzo has his own mic for sanitary reasons, so no one else catches what he has.' I lost my shit when I heard that. That was like the funniest thing. It's just the way Graves delivers these lines. He is just... I love that dude. Oh, he's fantastic. He's definitely one of the bright
0: spots of both broadcast teams. I know I like Over Ronaldo on SmackDown. I love JBL, but Corey Graves is just one of those guys that he's been hitting this role right out of the
1: park. He's a good compliment to Michael Cole. who's kind And of, I think he's brought Michael Cole back up because... He and JBL were just kind of stale. They'd been working together, I think, for too long.
0: Yeah, I agree with that as well. And, I mean, Saxon is what Saxon is. Saxon's just a better version of David Otunga, a much better version of David Otunga, but it's not really saying much
1: just because uh, David Otunga. We want to hashtag fire Otunga.
0: You really want to bring
1: that in at this point? Well, we're already talking – we're talking – about Otonga, so we're going to fire him. But fire we'll, Otonga. Fire Otonga. Fire him. Uh, so with Raw, I mean, th- there were, a, a, like I said, some highlights. The highlight reel was a highlight, but overall it, it really was a crappy show, and I felt like it wasted my time, your time, and everybody else's time. I, I mean, they did some things to bring storylines along. The
0: main event was actually rather entertaining, too, between... Owens and Jericho against Enzo and Big Cass. Yeah. You know, oh, we did forget something about what happened during the highlight reel. During the highlight reel, Chris Jericho was going back and forth with Enzo and Big Cass. And, you know, Chris Jericho for the last couple weeks has been talking about the list that he's been putting together. The list of Jericho. The list of Jericho. And Big Cass pretty much said to Chris Jericho, you got a list? What, do you see any claws? And Jericho's like, I'll come over there and sit on your lap. And, you know, just the facial reactions of Enzo and Big Cass, I, I I, was almost in tears. I was laughing so hard just because it
1: was just they had this look like, did he just really say that to us? And that's one of those moments. It reminds me of years ago when Psycho Sid was doing cutting a promo in the ring in WCW uh, to the Outsiders, uh, Scott Hall and uh, Kevin Nash. And he said something to the effect of, like, you must think I'm half as dumb as you look or something like that. And Hall and Nash just ended up losing their shit because, more or less, Sid called himself an idiot. Pretty much. But, like, it kind of reminded me of that, except for I think uh, Jericho is too smart for that. He This was something so he purposely was the foil to be made fun of. And then when he kept on denying it, no, no, I didn't say that. I said I said it was going to punch you in the face. Drink it in, man. I, I love this guy. I'm going to be so sad when he goes. I mean, there's rumors that he's going to be gone right after Hell in a Cell. Uh, I've also heard that he might stick around until Survivor Series. I'm wondering if, like, you know, Hell in a Cell is probably, like, his last full-time thing, but he'll make occasional appearances on TV up until Survivor Series do Survivor Series, and be done. And and then hopefully just come back for a one-night thing on uh, WrestleMania. Yeah, something like that, because I know his band is getting ready to kind of restart. I think they're recording an album in January, and that'll take a few months. So whether or not he's going to be able to hit up WrestleMania this year, we'll see. But I'm so happy that we've had Jericho more or less for the whole year. Oh, yeah, it's and been it,
0: fantastic.
1: And it's been, honestly, one of the better runs he's had. I would say second to his run in, like, 2008 when... Uh, he won he, the World Heavyweight title? And with Jarrah Show and all that stuff. It, that was awesome. Uh, but, you know, for a show that was as crappy as it was, there were a decent en- a- amount of highlights. But, honestly, like, watching it, I just, like, uh
0: Ugh. Ugh. You kind of sound like Peter Griffin after he falls and bangs his knee
1: on the sidewalk.
0: Ah! Ah!
1: Ah! That's what wrestling felt like this week. <coughs> with, with, oh, excuse me. You know, NXT. Obviously, they they've lost a lot of folks from their roster through the draft. And they're in a kind of a rebuilding phase. But this show, this was the worst episode of NXT I've ever watched. They, Me too. They, three No, not even three quarters, every match except for one was a squash match. And it it didn't do anything to further storylines. It didn't do anything to build new people. It just took established people and had them go against nobody so they don't, you know, squash whatever momentum they're trying to build with some of their newer talent, but so far they haven't really done a lot for building that. You know, you kind of have a guy like Austin Aries, who I I'm a big fan of, but he's kind of like a mid card guy for NXT, and you've got guys like Shinsuke Nakamura, who's actually you know he's the top of the hill here. Him doing a squash match, and you. He I wasn't.
0: Mean, he wasn't even there though.
1: I thought. Was it
0: Shinsuke, last week Shins, he had this squash match? Shinsuke Nakamura hasn't had a match since he won the NXT title.
1: He had a squash match. You sure? Uh, yeah, I don't know whether it was this. week. It wasn't
0: this week. He's been out with. The, this is the second week he's been out with the injury that he suffered against uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Samoa yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe after he came out and accepted Joe's challenge for a rematch for the title. You know, last week Joe was saying that he was going to attack everybody in the division until he gets what he wants, either Nakamura or the NXT title. Right. This week was the first time he did it. He attacked the uh, the twins tag team. I
1: forget their names. I'm uh, sorry. The Ellie Twins or e- Ely Twins. Eli Twins. Eli Twins. Eli Twins. Le- Eli Twins. Something m- like that. Eeny, meeny, the miny, Blue Brothers. Rings, uh, Blues
0: Brothers. Uh, yeah. The Beverly Brothers. The Hart Foundation. Whatever the hell they were. And he he basically just you know flattened these guys, made them look pathetic. I hope they're not in the. Uh... Oh, I forgot about something important that was announced at NXT. I know that we were sitting here and just trashing it for all the
1: squash the matches that they that have. Was NXT but this they, week?
0: They made a major announcement. Uh, General Manager William Regal announced that they will be having the second annual Dusty Rhodes Memorial Tag Team Tournament. Last year, they did the same thing, and it was a team
1: comp- – com- it, it was a tournament uh, with a bunch of teams. Some of them were established teams. Some of them were teams they made up, like uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Joey uh, – uh, and Gargano. They, they were a team that they completely made up on the fly last year, where you had uh, – I forget who are the tag team champions last year. I want to say it was Dash and Dawson, or, or not Dash and Dawson. It was American Blake and Austin. Murphy. Oh, it was Blake and Blake Murphy. Blake and Murphy were the champions, and they did not win Dusty Rhodes' tag team tournament. You got it, the Revival in it this year. It was... They it, are the champions. Last
0: year, it was the team of Finn Balor and Samoa Joe, kind of like the makeshift team. Uh, obviously, they have some more established tag teams this year where they have the Revival. They have... Um, Authors of Pain the authors of Pain they have Champa and Gargano obviously they do have some other makeshift tag teams they have a team of We Andre- have and Dredd and my boy Cedric Alexander uh and Wait wait wait. Have- Go ahead. We have
1: the perfectly glorious team that was made on NXT the one real bright spot of NXT Bobby Roode and Ty Dillinger Joining forces, perfectly glorious, glorious 10, however you want to look at it. Uh, I'm going to enjoy every second of these two together because I I think they're going to be entertaining and they're going to be good in the ring.
0: I think they're the dark horses to win it too as well. I could see a team like uh, Dillinger and Rude winning this tag team tournament. Or turning on each other. Or turning on each other. It's it's either one or the other. You're either going to get one or you're going to get the other. I personally said that I would love to see Bobby Roo team up with, like, Austin Aries just because it's the whole... They were awesome in TNA together. And they were awesome in TNA together, and, you know, they have
1: a lot of history together, would have been a fantastic team. They have awesome chemistry, too, together. It's not not just their history. I mean, the two of them, they were some of the best bits of TNA television from, like, four or five years
0: ago. Also, I would like to bring up that one team that I'm very excited to see in this tournament is the team of Kota Ibushi and Hideo Itami. It's Kota Ibushi, the guy that should have won the Cruiserweight Classic. Obviously politics got in the the way. And it's
1: Hideo Itami, the man who stole CM Punk's finisher. Sure. You you, you keep on spewing out the, the lies, just like Hillary Clinton Just like Hillary. (laughs) That was a good fake laugh like her. Oh, wait, wait, wait. For the drinking game, that's a drink. That's a drink. All right. So, Dusty Rhodes Classic was awesome last year. Actually, uh, WWE has been knocking it out of the park with these tournaments that they've been doing between Dusty Rhodes Classic, Cruiserweight Classic, and... uh, they had the uh, tournament for uh, all the different championships that they've had to make because of the brand split. I think this is going to be another awesome bunch of shows because what they'll end up doing is they're going to have like matches on NXT and then they'll culminate at, at TakeOver in Toronto. And honestly, I think at least the team that they're going to make seem like, the team to be are going to be the authors of pain to me the only way the authors of pain do not win this thing is if they get carried away and get disqualified from a match they are not going to lose cleanly in this tournament if they lose it all i would pick them to win
0: i think that the way that they're going to end up getting eliminated from this tag team is kind of be like <clears throat> remember for wrestlemania 4 they had the tournament the to crown the wwe world champion Yep. And then I actually had one of the matches in the tournament was either a double count out
1: or it just and Hogan was a double uh DQ or was a double, double key- key- out, yeah, so. and
0: somebody ended up getting a, a buy because of that. I could million see a million dollar man. Yeah. And I could see something like that being the situation with the authors of Pain where if there's like a ten minute time limit or a fifteen minute time limit on each match and they go up against whoever they go up against, and they just run out of time and they're like, well, since it it was a draw, neither one of you advances, so the team that they're supposed to face somebody like the revival could get like a free shot to the you know the championship of the tournament or whatever. Yeah. I could see something like that happening with them. I could see them getting counted out. I could see them getting disqualified. I agree with you, I don't see them losing clean, and if they do, I would be shocked uh
1: that I mean. The Revival, they're the tag team champions. I, I don't see a reason why they couldn't win this tournament, because they are the tag team champions. They have kind of taken on and beaten all comers. I think they definitely have a shot at winning this, but I don't think they're, personally, I don't think they're the odds-on favorite. I don't either. I think that... Whatever team wins this will probably face them. They'll be the next like big, big match against the Revival. So hopefully the Rev- Revival doesn't win the tournament. Well, the thing would be is what if it ends up like Authors of Pain against the Revival? Is that just for the Dusty Rhodes Classic or does that end up, you know, do they put the titles on the line also in Toronto? I mean, that's something that, you know, like William Regal could come out at some point and say, hey, you know what? Since you guys are the champions right now, you're facing this team in the finals of Dusty Rhodes Classic. Not only is the trophy on the line, but we are also putting the tag titles on the line. I think that's something that could and possibly should be uh, put into play, but we'll see how it goes. I wouldn't rule anything out with that. I'm sorry, people. It's not that
0: I'm trying to be... You're trying to be distracted. I'm I'm not even trying to be distracted with my cell phone. I'm actually checking to see if people are tweeting at us, and... Nah. Eh, whatever. Uh so uh before we bring up SmackDown, I'm sorry, I wanted to bring this well, up a I little mean, bit we're... early on in the in the podcast. Sure. Didn't get a chance to because we kind of got on the whole TNA thing and you know, wasted about fifteen minutes of the podcast talking about that crappy show and excuse me, and the whole thing with Jamie Noble and everything. I kinda of got sidetracked. Last week on our podcast, I was I was looking at our statistics and We're up, you know, we were up to 85 downloads as of last week. Total downloads of the first 10 episodes of, or I'm sorry, the first 9 episodes of the, excuse me again, fucking Mark's podcast. And I made a deal with everybody that downloads this podcast. I said that by the, by this podcast, by the time this podcast is launched with the number of downloads, if at, by the time that we shoot episode 12 which would be next Saturday October 8th that we will you know if we get to 100 total downloads that I would do something you know Stupid. ridiculous to commemorate the 100 downloads that we received and commemorate your
1: brainlessness
0: well I don't I commemorate my brainlessness every week I don't understand Yeah what but you're not doing.
1: everybody else gets to drink in your brainlessness
0: fair enough so I did post a poll out there for you fucking marks to actually vote on if we actually get the 100 downloads before next week's podcast. And we're
1: pretty damn close, so...
0: And and I'll tell you right now, I'm impressed. You know, we were at 97 before this podcast, so we got 12 additional downloads in the last week. Thank you guys for your support. Thank you for downloading this podcast. I... From the bottom of my heart, I do appreciate it. I knew that if I put that extra incentive out there, that people would actually, you know, start downloading it a little bit more. So if we do get the three downloads. Between now and next week. Between now and next Saturday, I was going to do something stupid. Ran the poll. Didn't get the uh, responses I was well, looking we,
1: for. Well, I mean, we ended up with like a three-way tie, and w- we didn't really announce like what would happen with a three-way tie. But obviously, we're not going to make you do three stupid things. We just want you to do one stupid thing. So we put the poll out again. And didn't get got, what we got, needed. Like, didn't get what we needed. I was the only one that voted on that one. So I took it to
0: the streets. And by the streets, we I, meant, to the I went. To, I went to the people. We talked to the people. I went to a couple of guys I work with that are wrestling fans that are well aware of the the podcast as well, fans of the podcast. And I asked them what they wanted me to do. And they both voted. And they both voted for the same thing. And it was also one of the things that got voted upon that ended up in the three-way tie. So, unfortunately for you, this marks jackass. out there, will not be taking a pie to the face from Ja Rule. I will also not be eating any pumpkin-spiced-themed Stuff. foods, thank fucking God. And unfortunately, the one thing I voted for was to chug a foo foo drink. I wanted it would have been fun to see you uh get iced. And I would have gotten iced. So if we do get those three downloads for next week's by next week's podcast, and I have every intention of thinking that's definitely gonna happen, I, Bobby the
1: Brainless this jackass will be eating an entire pint of sour cream. And we're going to videotape him eating the sour cream. Well, I'll probably have to speed up the video to make it not be 5 oh, just minutes, eat it, 20 I'm, minutes I'm just going to eat
0: it during the podcast. Like, while we're shooting this podcast, I'm just going to be eating this while you're drinking your beer. I'm going to eat it, and then I'm going to be chugging the, uh, the, the beer a lot faster than I normally would because of the fact that I'm going to be eating an entire pint of sour cream. So thank you, Marks, for not voting and... I especially want now, to thank my, a... my
1: co-workers for making me eat an entire pint of sour cream. That's going to taste and, and whatever, awesome. And whatever one of the now, three people... do you people... get to put, like, extra things in it? Can you put chives in it?
0: No. It's, it's, it's just clean? It's, it's not like I can put, like, a shot of Fireball in a, you know, a Foo-Foo drink, or it's not like I could put frosting on a pumpkin spice Pop-Tart or something, or... It's not like I can get, like, I actually had the choice. Actually, I did have the choice of the pie that got put in my face, so that's kind of a bad example. But it's not like I could have altered those other things that I would have had well, to Well, we consume. didn't say
1: that you couldn't put chives on it. You just said you're going to eat a pint of sour cream. But I hate chives anyway, so it doesn't even matter. Okay. Most importantly, I would like to say this. I'm just glad I'm not eating any
0: pumpkin spice flavored shit. I hate pumpkin spice anything. The beers, there are a
1: couple beers out there. If you get the little yeah, ring of uh, I mean, brown shit been sugar... With- Shit, even with pumpkin spice, doesn't taste good. Right. Am I right? (laughs) Right.
0: Right. 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 So, uh, if there are the three downloads that we get, and I have,
1: like I said, I totally believe that I'm going to be getting those three downloads. We're getting those downloads. You're going to be eating pint of sour cream. Much to the chagrin of Bobby the Brainless. Come on, why are you sad? That means more people are listening it also means I'm going to be eating a pint of sour cream, and I might throw up. Yeah, that's fine. That's
0: fine. But yeah, I wanted, i just wanted to get that out there. I wanted to bring it up at the beginning of the show. Obviously, we had other topics we wanted to discuss, but I—that was something I definitely wanted to bring up, and it—it it was the conclusion that we came to with the with the uh, the poll and everything. So, Bobby the brainless will be eating a pint of sour cream. Great. On that note. Horrible segue to get to SmackDown. Well, let's yes. move on. To but let's Smackdown. move on to SmackDown. You know what?
1: You're you're gonna SmackDown down yourself with a pint of sour cream, and we're gonna talk about SmackDown
0: uh, I mean, Halloween
1: edition. I don't know why they didn't do this version of the show uh, until Halloween, but this whole thing was like a, a horror episode with like Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt. Like, I like these two. I can't wait to finally see what happens with them when they get in the ring, and you know things happen where Orton wasn't able to be in their match at Clash of Champions. Was it Clash of Champions? No, I'm sorry, a Backlash. You know he thanks had... Brock Lesnar, and I'm I'm almost out of steam for like. The build up for this match, they did a good job of building for the match for Backlash, but now I'm kind of like, eh. Is it because of the
0: fact that this whole week on WWE television it's just been like ho hum? It's it, just, it, you know it was a lackluster Raw, it was an even lackluster uh, NXT, and SmackDown
1: was forgettable at, at most. Well, the thing with what they were trying to do, I appreciate the fact that they were trying to do something a little bit different, a little bit creative, but it just felt like it was dragging, and it felt like the the whole thing was just filler to try to make the show last two hours, as opposed to just putting out a, a good product.
0: I agree with that. They could have done a lot more. They could have had more matches. It felt like like an hour of the two-hour-long SmackDown was just Randy Orton trying to find Bray Wyatt, and I mean, it's it was fantastic. I Don't get me wrong. I love Orton, and I love Bray Wyatt. I'm looking forward to their match at uh, Hell in a Cell. But they could have cut that in half. Oh, absolutely. They could have given us another match or two. They could have had Baron Corbin go up against who gives a shit. And they could have had like... They could have had
1: Baron Corbin beat the hell out of David Otunga so we could, instead of firing him, he could just be off TV because he's injured.
0: But he's not a good wrestler anyway, so why would he get in the ring?
1: He wouldn't get in the ring. Corbin would just be mad and he's a lone wolf and just beat the hell out of him because he's David O'Tunga and that's what you do.
0: That's what you would do. I don't know if that's something that Baron Corbin
1: would do. I think he would. Cuz he I think Baron Corbin knows when somebody sucks.
0: Can I bring up the the highlight of Smackdown this week? Absolutely. It was the homecoming of the Miz in his never-ending intercontinental title reign. As the Miz returned to Cleveland as the five-time intercontinental champion. Cleveland's favorite son. Cleveland's favorite son,
1: even more so than LeBron James. And even more so, apparently, possibly, maybe, than Dolph Ziggler.
0: And, you know, the Miz came out there to a huge pop, which I was not surprised that he got. He went out there, he he got the was fans. Was it pop be- for
1: him or for his wife? Or both, yes, yes, yes,
0: and you know he, you know he, he received such a great ovation from the fans of Cleveland, and you know that's the one thing I'll say about the the wrestling fans, obviously they show love to the faces and they show hatred towards the heels for the most part, but once they get to their hometown, unless it's John Cena, they <laughs> actually get cheered. Like if if they're in England, they cheered Wade Barrett even though he was a bad guy. If you were in Ireland, you know they would cheer Sheamus because it's Sheamus and he's from Ireland and you know and so forth and so on. Even when they were in Connecticut, and you know Triple H would come out, he would get a huge ovation because he's from he's from Greenwich, Connecticut, and everything. And you know he did get a great pop, and then yeah. he just he kind of flipped it and was like, he's like I'm the favorite son, I'm better than LeBron James. And you guys don't deserve me, blah 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 blah. Cut a cut a pretty good promo. He had a he had a video package
1: highlighting his career. It was a great package. That's what she said. <sighs> and then uh, Dolph Ziggler came out after
0: the Miz. You know, was like my my parents are here, and they showed the Miz's parents, and then he's like, and also here is Dolph Ziggler's parents, and he basically shit all over Ziggler's parents, and that caused Ziggler to come out. And The Miz was like, I'm not giving you another title shot. And Dolph Ziggler was like, I'll put my... And The Miz was like, only if your career was on the line would I give you a title shot. And Dolph Ziggler was like, that's all I have left. I'll give you my career if I lose, but I want one more shot. The Miz came out. The Miz has just been fantastic. This Mike The Miz has been the best Mike The Miz that they've ever had. He's definitely evolved. He was one of those guys, and I've said this before in previous podcasts, and I'll say it again. He has just evolved as a character... I think that the brand split and the new era of the WWE has lit a fire under his ass and has made him somebody that they can definitely turn to. It's like, you know, we have these new guys out here, but we still have this guy who's talented that is one of the higher mid-card guys out there. I I love The Miz. He's still one of my favorite wrestlers. He's definitely evolved as a character,
1: and he's gotten a lot better doesn't hurt that he brings his wife out there every single week because well and i wouldn't say that he was ever bad as a character like when he got the wwe title and he brought the wrestlemania i was glad that they were putting somebody new forward it wasn't john cena it wasn't randy orton he was somebody new he was always good on the mic him in the ring, he was not always the greatest. He's gotten a lot better, though. He's been a lot more consistently good lately. Part of that has to do with he keeps on having matches with Dolph Ziggler, uh, but uh, he's been in the ring with other guys, and he's also you know kind of I wouldn't say knocked it out of the park, but his matches have been much better than what they were. But overall, like back back when he was uh, doing his shtick back around WrestleMania. I mean, when he was main eventing with Cena, I mean, he got completely overshadowed, unfortunately, by Rock and Cena kind of being in in that mix, and now I think if the same thing were to happen, he would not be overshadowed because he's just so much better and so much more confident in what he's doing, and it just shows That being said, you know who's also killing it lately is Dolph Ziggler. The biggest knock on him for a long time was Dolph couldn't speak. And if you see him in his promos lately on television, he's just so much better, so much more comfortable. It's as if they don't have a script for him anymore. Because I think before, part of his problem is he was trying to, excuse me, memorize lines, Now he's not not memorizing lines. I think they're giving him bullet points, and he's speaking from the heart, and there's so much more passion in what he's talking about. And, you know, you hear the rumors, though, that, like, his contract is coming up, and I'll be sad to see Dolph go. I hope he's not going. I think he is, though. Uh, But I think this is going to be one of those things where I think Dolph just needs a couple of years off to kind of recharge his batteries and, you know, maybe he comes back and he's a bigger star than he is now. You know, you've got guys like Brock Lesnar who went away for a bunch of years, ended up becoming bigger stars outside of WWE, came back and became something bigger. Jericho did the same thing. So, you know, maybe it happens. But then, you know, you have uh, other folks out there who have gone away for a couple of years, come back and been nothing. What you mean, like Batista? Well, Batista did... Okay. And you know, by the end of that run that Batista had a couple of years ago, I think he had won back a lot of the respect when he first came back. People wanted Daniel Bryan in the worst way by the end of that. Like when they did all those matches with the shield in uh, evolution, those matches were like match of the year candidates each time they went out there. Batista, I think, had finally gotten back in, in into ring shape. The first couple of times, I think he he got gassed because you know being in shape and being in ring shape are just two different things, right? But hopefully, my my hope is that this isn't the end for Dolph. But that would mean the end of the Miz's title reign, which I really don't want to see. So I. Personally, I think Dolph's going away. I think it's he's going to go away for a couple of years. We'll see him back on WWE at some point, and he's going to probably go off and do his comedy thing for a little bit, maybe do some acting, maybe do stunt work, maybe do who knows. But I'll be sad to see Dolph go, but I think he, he sees kind of the writing on the wall. It's the, the new era, and they're trying to push new guys. If They're not going to push all old guys, so... You know he and Miz have been around for X number of years. Miz is on fire right now. They're not going to. I don't think they're going to do anything to stunt what's going on with Miz right now.
0: I agree with that. Unfortunately, like you said, um, them pushing the Miz to a point where he's going to win this match means that Dolph Ziggler is going to be going bye-bye for a while. I don't know about the two years thing. I could definitely see like a six months to a year sabbatical. Maybe he comes back at WrestleMania 34. Who knows? Anything's possible. But um it's gonna be interesting to see how this turns out.
1: Well yeah, I mean next week's the pay per view, we're gonna have a podcast before that, so we'll be able to do our predictions after that. But uh so, you know, he had that going on SmackDown. That 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 to me was a highlight, but the fact that that, that, that Wyatt thing just went on too long.
0: Uh I I agree. I think they, they definitely went too far with that just like time wise. And I, I was telling you too I was really upset about how they were doing this thing where it's like Randy Orton's following him around the locker room, and it's like it has all these little, these things, like it has like this an arrow pointing one Predator, way pray. and then going the other way, and he, he chooses to go the other way, and if he had gone the original way that the arrow was pointing, he would have ran into Eric Rowan, and then it shows another scene where he's in the back area and there's all these doors that have these little messages on the door and everything, and... People are like you know, you know, and it's like which door are you gonna go behind, and behind one of the doors was was a cardboard cutout of an old school Randy Orton, or as Michael Cole would With say, glowing eyes. or as uh, Michael Cole would say, vintage Randy Orton. Yes. Behind another door was Eric Rowan, and it's like you know what? We're really supposed to be afraid of Eric Rowan? He's the fucking guy who lost to The Rock in six seconds at WrestleMania. Eric Rowan will forever. Be a part of WrestleMania history in the worst possible way you can be remembered for.
1: Like Daniel Bryan, right?
0: Like, like Special Delivery Jones. Are you serious? You know, or
1: Chavo Guerrero Jr.
0: Or Chavo Guerrero. It's like that. you don't want to be in the class with those guys. You don't want to be stuck like... You don't want to be in the same conversation as Special Delivery Jones. Really? Yeah. I mean, Eric Rowan has been... Like, the biggest blowhard of anybody that was part of the Wyatt family, he's the biggest waste. All he is is the guy that kind of just can't wrestle, that just takes the beating over anybody and takes a lot of the pinfalls of anybody in the Wyatt family. Is it because he's a bad wrestler? Could be. Is it because the fact that Luke Harper and Bray Wyatt were better? Probably. Is it because the fact that Braun is just this massive mountain of a man? Could be. But, you know, either way, it's like, you know, we're supposed to be intimidated that Eric Rowan's going to be the guy that's going to attack Randy Orton. Like, Randy Orton's really going to be afraid of Eric Rowan. He's going to be like, oh, look, it's Eric Rowan. I'm afraid of you. No! He's going to be like, hey, look, your shoe's untied. He's going to look down and fucking hit him with an RKO out of nowhere. Well, the other thing with this... That, thats that still, drives... I'm sorry, thats I didn't mean to interrupt you right there, but uh, that's what really pissed me off about that
1: whole segment. Is, well, the other thing for me that's like story inconsistency is... About a month ago, Bray Wyatt kinda kicked Rowan to the curb and it seemed like Wyatt was going off on his own and I was kinda happy for that because when they did the brand split, you know, they they had uh, our our friend Braun Strowman who is Roar! yet who is yet to go against the Manscout, but it's coming. I feel God it.
0: damn it, WWE, give us what we want. It's not like we're asking for like Hulk Hogan to come back and win the title again. It's not like we're asking for John Cena to make a heel turn. It's not like we're asking for CM Punk to return. All we want is Braun
1: Strowman versus The Man Scout. Book it. Sorry. So when you split up that team, the 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 Wyatt family like that. Having Eric Rowan continue on with Wyatt for a little bit seemed like it made sense, but then once Wyatt kinda kicked him away, I was like, All right, good. Let him fly on his own and see what happens. And then two weeks later, kinda without having any kind of discussion, Eric Rowan ends up back in the fold somehow. And they didn't explain. why he ended up back in the fold? Is it because Bray Wyatt is like a cult leader and, this, or, and Rowan has Stockholm Syndrome, so he ends up get, taking a beating and abuse from Bray Wyatt, So he, but he just keeps following no matter what? But they don't explain this. Uh, and this is a frustration I have with some of the storylines and writing that they have. Explain some of this stuff. Yeah, I understand having an air of mystery, but for this, you had him kick the guy to the curb. Why would he accept him back if he was the one who was doing the kicking? Why?
0: I think it has ultimately to do with the fact that they have nothing else for
1: Eric Rowan. Eric Rowan is just...
0: He has just, nothing
1: better to do than get that wedgie. Pretty much.
0: I i never thought he was that talented. He was just
1: uh He's big... <laughs> and he's got an interesting look that's that's what he's got going for him i don't think he i think he has a lot of energy in the ring he's he just, just not very good he just can't wrestle and he can't cut a promo to save his life he's better than great kali i'll give him about that
0: oh god i could take a shit right now and it would be more talented than the great kali allegedly no not allegedly i could take a shit right now and it would be more talented than the great kali the worst Heavyweight champion in WWE history, by the way.
1: Yep. Yeah, there's no dispute with that. Uh, Great Khali is the David Otunga of WWE champions.
0: I can't argue that. I can't, argue that. I can't argue that. I cannot argue that. So, <laughs> another thing that happened on SmackDown this week, they had an eight-man tag match. To basically kind of like set up a little bit more for the the Usos. The Usos. They're actually doing it more so for the Usos than they are for the tag team champions. Uh, the tag team. It was a it was an eight man tag match where it was the Usos teaming up against the most meaningless tag team in WWE history, the Ascension, going up against the team, the tag team champions, Heath Slater and Rhino, and the returning American Alpha. I thought it was decent. The match itself. I was more caught off by the fact that they finally did what they should have done. I said this last week. I've said this previously before. If you're going to turn the Usos, they can't have that haka haka freaking entrance where they're these Samoan, whatever they are, and they're doing a little war dance before their matches. And they kind of, and they definitely did that. They made them seem more heelish. I don't like the fact, the only, the only thing I didn't like about how they repackaged They repackaged without completely repackaging the Usos is the fact that they made them look like gang members. That was my only drawback to the whole thing that they did with the Usos. I didn't like the fact that they looked more like gang members because they had the tan pants on and they were wearing the Nikes and they had, you know, one of the Usos, whatever one it is. I don't know. I still haven't figured out which one is Jimmy and which one is Jay. You know, one can have face paint on this side, and the other one can have face paint on that side. I'm still not going to know who it is. One could wear a shirt, and one could not have a shirt on. I'm still not going to know which one is Jimmy and Jay, until they actually finally do what I also said that they should do and have one have the tattoo of Jimmy and the other one have the tattoo of Jay on their chest or stomachs or something that
1: really tell them apart. But I like yeah, but new... that's part of the gimmick is they could switch without anybody knowing who's in yeah but now, they, uh, now yeah, but they've got the, the thing here,
0: here's the thing it's like you know you know nikki and brie bella they were they were identical twins but you could tell them apart because nikki well, had bigger I mean, boobs th-
1: not not always for the most part she had bigger boobs but you know the the thing with the the usos now that the whole looking like gang members i don't know what they could what would you have done differently with their look?
0: I—it's the pants. That's what I don't like. It's the pants. If they had gone out, I mean, out do there, you
1: sit there and have like regular like wrestling tights that you know go down him, to the him, leg and? They
0: could have worn jeans. Let them wear jeans like Dean Ambrose does, or jorts. Or wear let them wear jorts like John Cena. John Cena. That's what it was. Sorry, John Cena. John Cena. Thank you, SmackDown. But I just I don't know I think it's the pants I think they look like they're wearing like corduroy pants and it's like eh, I'm not I'm not feeling it you know they could have wore black pants that would have been fine you know they could have wore jeans that would have been fine I just think that the pants is just it's it makes them look like they
1: make them look like
0: Latin gang members.
1: My my hope with this is that it's one of those things that will evolve you know. they've done many things to change what they are. They've taken away the face paint, they're now got, they've got different music. Oh, the music's awesome by the way. They've got different persona so I think there are many kind of moving parts with this. I think we're going to see more things evolve. I don't know if what we saw them wear this week, what they wore this week is going to be what they wear every week.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do from here on out with the Usos. I I'm just glad that they finally changed the music. I'm glad that they have a different type of entrance where it's kind of more like we're badasses and we're just going to go out there and do our thing instead of like, you know, they're going to. when I say Ooh? You say Oh? Ooze? Oh?
1: You know? I just it kind of got that kind of got played out too. Well, and that's why you have to evolve. That's I mean that's why a few weeks ago I was like, you know what, the Usos they need to turn heel because. Their shtick has kind of gotten old, you know. You need to evolve with the times, or you got left behind. So.
0: Right, and to go back to the match, uh, they had a pretty decent match. Uh, you know, the Usos look pretty good. Uh, Slater got the hot tag near the end. Uh, they the went crowd after. Loves it. him. The, the crowd loves him to death, and I'm and I'm glad. And I and I brought it up to you yesterday when we were talking about SmackDown, and I said to you that. He's kind of like what Zack Ryder was before when Zack Ryder got over with his Z, true Long Island story, and then won the United States Championship, and everybody was all over his nuts and everything. Then he dropped the belt like two weeks later. I think that's what's going to ultimately happen with Heath Slater. I'm sorry that that's how I feel. I think that, you know, he's hot right now. People are behind him. They're going to end up dropping the tag team titles, I think, at Hell in a Cell through the rhino
1: is not long for the WWE if he wins that his uh, city council seat or whatever it is in, in Michigan he's not going to have time to do a full-time WWE schedule Right. i think he's doing this to kind of get himself some extra exposure that he could get I, i'm not going to say for free but more or less he's going to be on TV not pimping himself as a politician but people are going to see his face and basically when election day comes uh that's the end of rhino so hell in a cell or survivor series rhino's gone so that means the end of heath slater and rhino but i'm gonna in i'm going to drink them in while i can
0: right and i am too and ultimately the usos whatever one it was put the uh I think it was like a half-Boston Crab type of stretch move on the knee that they had Slater. That they had worked on. And Slater tapped out. I think that's what's going to ultimately be the downfall of him at the next pay-per-view when they lose the tag team titles. I think it's just going to happen to hell in a cell. I don't think they're going to make it to Survivor Series. I really do think that they want the in Uso's the to be the tag team champions and have American Alpha
1: chase after them. And I think American Alpha, not that long after, will be the tag team champions i don't know if it's going to be immediate but in I, the I, next six months
0: bobby the brainless is making a bold prediction stone cold lead pipe block we're not Mike and mike it's all right i don't want to steal their shtick this is the bobby the brainless not so brainless lock of the of the day american alpha will win the tag team championships at wrestlemania 33
1: all right and speaking of WrestleMania 33, uh one of the things that they've been playing off lately is that John Cena possibly becoming the 16-time world heavyweight champion, tying Ric Flair's championship record.
0: Woo! Man, that, that one came out of my kidneys. That's how far, how far down that
1: was. Now, personally, my thought is that at Wrestlemania 33 that's when they're going to have John Cena tie the record there's also a thought in my brain that they're going to have John Cena win the title and at some point soon lose the title and then beat the record at Wrestlemania a majority of my brain says that he ties the record at Wrestlemania and not beats it but we'll see I'll tell you what my brain's thinking about for Wrestlemania
0: 33 I could definitely see them doing something like that where he wins the title at WrestleMania 33 just so I could throw up whether I'm here watching it or if I'm down in Orlando watching it at WrestleMania 33 because ultimately that's my goal. Bobby the Brainless does want to be in Orlando, Florida for WrestleMania 33. Uh, that's the one thing that would make me throw up. The only thing that would make me throw up more than that it's is it a the pint of other, sour cream. Is it. Sh- the only other thing that would make me throw up more than that is if the other idea that they've been having for WrestleMania, and that's John Cena fight The Undertaker, and if John Cena does beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania next year, I will throw up all over myself. And then I'm going to have to run out of the arena because I don't want to be a witness to the homicide of Cena getting killed by all the fans in the ring. Because just like it happened at ECW One Night Stand, I think back in '06 when it was Rob Van Dam versus... John John Cena. Cena at the Hammerstein Ballroom. And they had the signs that said, if Cena wins, we riot. If John Cena beats The Undertaker at WrestleMania 33, they will kill him. It will be like when the Legion of Doom turned on Dusty Rhodes and they locked themselves inside the cage until about a half an hour after the show because they thought the fans were actually going to attack them. And you know what? I really do think that they'll do something to John Cena. I mean, it would be the perfect opportunity if he were to end the Undertaker's career at WrestleMania. It would be the perfect opportunity for them to make him a heel. Obviously, Vince McMahon's pockets won't get
1: filled if John Cena's a heel. Personally, I I don't know. At this point, I think John Cena has done what he can do as a face. He's built up himself plenty and WWE without John Cena being full time for most of the last year have done completely fine financially they're actually more profitable than they've ever been in their life why not take a chance and turn the guy heel and see what happens does it you know does that lead to a new boom where you take the guy who was the ultimate good guy for over a decade and turn him into the ultimate bad guy i know it's almost the same thing they did with hulk hogan with the nwo i don't want them to follow that you know formula but he gets enough booze right now i don't i mean a lot of the uh wwe folks kind of say well if we turn him heel then everybody's going to cheer him for being a bad guy finally you know what let bygones be guy, bygones, and let's give it a try. Let's see what happens. Don't, you know, judge something before you've actually let, you know, it come to fruition. Let's give it a try because obviously, right now, they are not hurting financially. No, I, I completely agree with you. I don't really see unless, I mean, the only
0: way that they would be able to do what they did, like with Hogan back at the uh, Bash of the Beach '96. Is if they actually dig up Macho Man Randy Savage and have John Cena hit him with a leg drop in the middle of the ring? I don't. I honestly, if they ever did that, I would be just appalled and never watch wrestling again for about six months after I delete the WWE Network.
1: But uh, well, I, honestly, like I, it's just, I if mean, they it, did a uh, Undertaker match. That would be a way to turn him heel. Is if he won the match, and if he won the match, cheating because he like had he, no other way of doing like, it. Like, like
0: he blasted him with an urn, right? If you know, he did
1: something like that, where you're like, "Who
0: is this dude?" Could you imagine if, like, the guys were the ones going, "Let's go, Cena," and the kids were the ones going, "Cena sucks." That would be the greatest thing ever. Because there would do- be so many little kids crying if he did that. I would be dying. Right. Hell, I'd be crying too. What the hell am I kidding? It's the Undertaker. The Undertaker's in my Rushmore. I, I, you know, I got to meet the Undertaker when I was. A wee little brainless little Bobby, you know Steven's World of Wheels. Steven World's of Wheel, right in the uh, Farmington Avenue, right next and, to the Taco Bell. In Bristol, in Bristol, Connecticut, right before Do WrestleMania Eleven. That and he Pack is the sauce. I'm great. I'm glad we got that part of that podcast. But Bobby the brainless, with his best friend, his best friend's brother, his cousin, and his mother stood in line for three hours mom i do i've said it before and i'll say it again i do appreciate what you did for us that night standing in line with us for over three hours to meet the undertaker and i got into line and i got to meet the undertaker and paul bear you know and i got paul bear's autograph on the sheet and then he handed it to the undertaker and undertaker signing it and i got this i got a card for the undertaker in my pocket and i don't even want to ask him because i'm like scared shitless because i'm like i don't want to be that guy i don't want to be that kid i don't want to be that kid and i'm like should I say something? Should I say something? And I looked right at him, and I was like, Undertaker? And he looked up at me with those cold, dead eyes. And I swear to God, I had nothing but Did he balls. do the eye flip? No. He just looked at me, and I, I shit my pants twice. And I was like, can you sign my card? And he grabbed the card, and he signed it for me. And I was like, thank you. And, you know, he did the nod, because obviously he's not going to talk, because he's the Undertaker. And I was like, this is, like, the coolest thing ever. I'm such a fucking mark. It's not even funny. To this day. To this day, I'm still a fucking mark but it was it was so cool. I have the utmost respect for The Undertaker. The fact that the man has been doing it for as long as he has at the level he was doing it for, the fact that he was one of the big big men in the ring and yet he was doing moves that a lot of guys his size would never be able to do. Guy who has evolved his character over the years. The fact that he was the guy that pretty much Kevin Sullivan went up to Hulk Hogan before Hogan's face or heel turn back in 96. And he said, Hulk, wrestling has changed. They now have a dead... It's not the baby face anymore. Now, the dead guy is the biggest face in the WWE. And that's what ultimately persuaded Hogan to become a heel. was because of the fact that the Undertaker, the dead man, with no personality, because he doesn't need a personality because he's a dead man, was the number one face in WWE. It's true. And... And another and another point with this whole John Cena possibly making a heel turn, maybe maybe not, who knows? It was heel John Cena that once that brought back Bobby the Brainless from being somebody who didn't even watch wrestling to being the mark that he is to this day once again, it, because you know, back in April of two thousand and one at WrestleMania seventeen, <laughs> also known as the Dark Day of Wrestling for Bobby the Brainless when. He finally witnessed Steve Austin joining forces with Vince McMahon. And that just really was the final nail in the coffin. After that WrestleMania, I stopped watching for a significant period of time, a couple of years. And then I just randomly one day put it on SmackDown. And there was this guy wearing the jean shorts, rocking a throwback jersey with his hat like this, with a bike chain around his neck, and he's got his music playing, and he cuts the music, and he freestyles. And he freestyled against Eddie Guerrero, I'll never forget that, he was freestyling against Eddie Guerrero, and I was like, yo, this guy's legit, I'm like, I like this guy, and I was a Cena fan for a few years, and then once he became the corporate sellout, and hustled loyalty and respect, hit the guys with the five moves of doom, and you know, basically whatever Vince McMahon wants me to do, you know, I'll kiss his ass and suck his dick and do whatever he wants, and you know what? Fuck you, Cena. I used to like you. I used to have res- I, I- Actually, I still have respect for you. Who am I kidding? You know, the fact that you've cashed in all of those make-a-wishes speaks volumes of you. You're an incredible human being on that aspect. But as a wrestler, you can go fuck yourself. You, you know what's gonna happen with John Cena soon? He's gonna, inc- he's gonna
1: incorporate a sixth move into this five moves of doom? No. He's gonna get beat up by that guy right there. Dustin Pedroia. I feel it. I feel it in my bones. I think there's been something in the air lately.
0: Don't you think that Dustin Pedroia has something more important to worry about at this time of the year? You know,
1: He like, does, but like, you know like, what?
0: Like maybe a postseason berth, you know, the Red Sox. Like
1: maybe a World Series.
0: You know, you know like earlier this week, how uh, the Boston Red Sox clenched the American League East. I mean, granted, they... You know, had a backdoor winning of the division. Thank you yeah, to the they Baltimore backed, Orioles. They, they backed hey, their hey, way in. Hey, you know what?
1: They what? won yesterday.
0: Hey, they did win the, yesterday. That Which was win was yesterday, yesterday
1: would would have put them into the postseason. You're right. Even if they...
0: And most importantly is, the Yankees aren't in the playoffs. But, and the Red Sox are the division champions. And in my opinion, the favorites to win the American League. Right. And But, don't want to get too much off the topic right there. But, I just... I'm sorry. I have to bring... I'm a fucking Mark and it's not for just the red wrestling. socks. I'm a fucking Red Sox mock. It's like my it's it's like my old adage. I might bleed giant blue, but my socks
1: are always red. But even though a- attempt, a- attempting to uh, reel this back into smackdown. Oh, well, we attempting, kind of we talking I mean, it's not, like we
0: really, it's not like we really got off of topic. I mean, I mean, no, we're talking we just, about Cena and Undertaker. Undertaker's mainly about SmackDown. Cena's part of SmackDown. Yeah. Cena's from West Newberry, Massachusetts, so he's a Red Sox fan. So it's not like we completely, you know, blew we this didn't go out of water. off the
1: reservation.
0: I mean, we just we just ended up in a, you know. I mean, we weren't out of the country. We just ended up in a different neighborhood, but we were West
1: Newbury, Massachusetts.
0: Hustle, loyalty, and respect. But you're right, go back to SmackDown since, you know. So, uh,
1: hey, you, you know, we had a women's tag match. We had Carmella and Natty against uh, Naomi and Nikki. And we had Carmella going on top here. And uh, I, I dig the fact that they're trying to put Carmella over is something. I don't know if she's going to win the title anytime soon, but I think they're just trying to make her respectable So the audience sees her as something more than just enhancement. She's a much... uh, She's better on the mic right now than she is in the ring. She doesn't embarrass herself in the ring.
0: SmackDown's women's division is much better than the Raw's women's division. Obviously, Raw has three fantastic women in their division between Charlotte and Bayley and Sasha Banks.
1: Yeah, beyond that, gets a little, it's, a little it's, thin. It's, picks. Well, I mean, Nia Jax, they are trying a, to build up,
0: but you know, she's just a freaking force that beats up on jobbers. But and Alicia Fox—the way that they're handling the the women's division on Raw is stupid. Considering they wasted a the top five pick on Charlotte, who was the women's champion at the time when they used that pick on her. In fact, she was the third pick in the draft. And See, I don't
1: think it was a wasted pick. I I, I just I mean, think the, that SmackDowns dealt with the women. Better than Raw has.
0: No, I absolutely agree, and you know what the the um, Naomi, I wanted to bring up Naomi, her entrance is
1: fantastic.
0: It, it is absolutely fantastic. I love the the dancing. I love the the
1: colors. I love the the lighting the, that you, they you did. You got the shades though that like th- they've got like an animation in the shades where it's got like the love sign and it's got other funky stuff going on, and you put a black light on. Part of wrestling is your presentation and standing out. Right now, Naomi, with her entrance, is standing out. She's always been a great athlete in the ring, but now they brought something different out of her by having this unique entrance. And I love it.
0: And I've, I've said this before, and I'll say this again, especially with, the, with professional wrestling, not just the WWE, but professional wrestling in general. It's all about presentation. It's one thing if you can have like a really good gimmick and you, you know, you can talk and you can wrestle and everything, but you have to present yourself. If you can't, the first thing that people notice about you when you come out for a match is what? Your entrance. And if you can't knock your entrance out of the park, then they're not going to take you as a serious person. I mean, it's, you know, they had a guy a few years back and probably almost 20 years ago. They had a guy that used to have like a kind of like a generic song with a garbage truck noise in the background. And he would come out with a garbage can. And I'm like, oh, right, yeah, I could definitely see this guy as a garbage man. And it's like, yeah, Duke the Dumpster Drossy which was one of the greatest gimmicks of all time. You know, it's about presentation. What another another superstar that really sticks out to me when it comes to presentation and, and entrances is Chris Masters. When he was the masterpiece, when he used to be at the end of, the, of the, at the top of the ramp before he would come down there, and he would do his T-bowing, and then he would come out and start flexing with the with the, uh, the the pyrotechnics going off and everything, and it was great. It was all about presentation. Same thing with MVP. It was about presentation. What was it about Hulk Hogan? It was the song. It was the entrance. People got behind him because of the entrance because he was the real American. When it comes crushing down and it hurts inside, you got to take a chance. You can't help to hide. I am a real American. Greatest song ever. All about presentation. Same thing. Ultimate Warrior. used to have that song. He would just go nuts. Like... And he would come flying out of there. Out of the the back area. Get into the ring. Start shaking the ropes like he used to do. And he would be all coked out of his mind and everything. and, And it was great. It's all about presentation. That's something about Naomi. Her entrance now is so unique that people are gonna start following her, people are gonna start liking her because like you said, fantastic in ring performer. She was, you know, pretty good on the microphone. Now that she has something, you know, with an entrance that's unique and it sticks out, you know, not like, you know, the you know, just a generic you just walk out there with whatever song you have, like a Natty Nightheart or something like that. But it's 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 great.
1: I cannot wait to see her entrance at Wrestlemania.
0: Hopefully it's at night. Unless it's in a dome.
1: Well, uh, Citrus Bowl... Well, just remember, it's East Coast time, so it's going to get dark earlier than it would uh, like to have uh, when they were in San Francisco.
0: Because cause it, really, it really bothered me. A the, the couple of them over the years at Wrestlemania that really bothered me entrance-wise, because of like timing and where they were, was Sting, when he fought Triple H... Yeah. Pissed me off because his entrance at night would have been would have been awesome, phenomenal.
1: Uh, when Bray Wyatt fought the Undertaker, that was the same one. WrestleMania.
0: Same WrestleMania.
1: I, they they really... had Rock come out with Ronda Rousey and cut a half hour promo to try to make it darker. Like that's why that Cause... segment lasted so long. So it would be darker when they came out, and even then, it was not dark enough to really like Cause... bring out how awesome that was. The WrestleMania before with Bray Wyatt when they had like the live band that was really cool. in New Orleans and
0: it was inside a dome and it was dark and it was just it was awesome. The Silver Dome, right? No, it's the Superdome. Hulk Hogan,
1: right? But I cannot wait. You know they're going to be on East Coast time, so even if they go on like second or third match, it's still going to be dark outside at that. Point. right having like that glow in a giant stadium like the Citrus Bowl is going to be freaking incredible i i want to be there i am praying and i'm crossing my fingers Live long and prosper. that it will happen that it'll it, it'll happen where we're going to be able to go to the Citrus Bowl watch WrestleMania and see this entrance
0: it's going to be one of the better ones too at wrestlemania it's it's honestly because like i said i was at wrestlemania 11 back in the mid 90s when i got to see sean michael Taylor. Shawn michaels versus kevin nash and for the wwe championship and oh by the way the jenny mccarthy the, the, the greatest the greatest defensive player in nfl history main event at wrestlemania pamela anderson was there jenny mccarthy was there i got to see the hitman one of my all-time favorites I mean, obviously, Shawn Michaels is one of my all-time favorites. Got to see the late, great Owen Hart. You know, know, it's just stuff like that. I saw a lot of great wrestlers. Not the greatest card. That's why I kind of want to, like, go this year. Because the last opportunity I had, I would have ended up seeing Triple H beat Brock Lesnar, and I would have thrown up. Like I did the day it happened at home. But... Anyway, I'm sorry. As
1: bad as you would throw up when John Cena beats The Undertaker. As bad as I'm going to throw up when I eat the pint of sour cream next week. Okay. Good. But anyway, let's, right.
0: let's go back to that. Um, obviously, with, with um, I'm having a brain fart right now, I'm sorry, Carmella, there is one word that can describe her and how she's evolved as a heel. It's Fabulous. Fabulous. I've been waiting for a while to say that. I'm sorry. Hey. So I just wanted that. I wanted to get that out there. She's she's one of those people that has really impressed me uh, since she got called up. I was a little surprised she got called up. I figured it was either gonna be her or Alexa Bliss that got that got the call from NXT. They both got it. Right, they both did. Alexa Bliss. I kind of had a feeling what to expect from her as a character. She's been exactly what I expected. She's just a little firecracker. She also made an appearance on SmackDown. Becky Lynch was supposed to have a match, and she beat the hell Alexa out of her. Alexa Bliss beat the snot out of her on the ramp, and basically said that that's my title. This is not your title anymore. Alexa Bliss has just been oh, God. I, I really think she wants to be my future ex-wife. I think that's what it is. She just wants it more than Becky Lynch does.
1: Uh, obviously.
0: And you know, I just you know, with the women's division, like I said, it's it's a lot better on SmackDown than it is on Raw. So I, I like what they're doing.
1: I I think with this Alexa thing and Becky thing, it, it's it's obviously leading to a match. I don't know if it's at Hell in a Cell or if it it's going to...
0: They signed well, the contract last week for Hell in a Cell.
1: They signed the contract, but I'm talking like kind of the blow-off. This feels like it's not going to be something where the blow-off is going to be at Hell in a Cell. I think the blow-off is going to be later on. I think they're right now trying to gauge how well Becky Lynch is doing as champion. And I don't know if there's going to be uh, a messed up finish to this one, or if it's going to be one of those things where, you know, they have Becky win the match, but then Alexa wins her way back into another match. I want to say that this is going beyond Helen's Cell.
0: Oh, it's definitely going to be, it's not going to be a one-month rivalry. I understand that they really needed somebody to step up to the plate and be like the first person to go after Becky Lynch. And I'm glad that it was Alexa Bliss because it could have just been Natty Neidhart. And it's like,
1: all right, well. We, we know what's going to happen to that. We know that Natty puts, you know, she'll put on a great match. Oh, of course. And, and I think she's actually done really well as a character since she came back.
0: And she's doing a hell of a job at really bringing up these younger talents, working with Becky Lynch when she had her thing with Becky Lynch, and now she's working with Carmella, making Carmella a better wrestler. You know, they got Nikki Bella over there, too. Shocker, she's on the same show as her boyfriend. Either way. But I think that that's where the point where Natty is now, where she's still rather talented. You know she's still going to put up great matches, but she's
1: there to really, like, help boost up the younger talent. Right. So... I see this going on for a couple of months. Honestly, I think I see Becky continuing as champion, uh, but this is a good little push for Alexa, and let's see where they go with her, and let's see where she goes with this character.
0: I agree. I think that it's the sky's the limit with her. I I think the sky's the limit with uh, Becky Lynch as well, Carmella. A lot of the girls that they have in the women's division, I think that this the women's division is as good as it's been in a very long time, and I think it's good for wrestling. And uh,
1: finally with SmackDown, they had a, a, a very, they actually had a, a solid main event with AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, really good match. And that piece of shit on broadcast. Oh, and John Cena too. R- right, right. <laughs> Well, you know they're they're trying to set this thing up for the triple threat match that they're having in, you know, eight days from now. Uh, yes, yes, yes. But yes. Dean Ambrose yes. uh, the week yes. before had yes. won an opportunity at going against AJ Styles one on one for the championship, and you know they put on a good solid match, but you know they had the right outcome. AJ Styles going out, uh, winning the match, and, you know, there were some shenanigans and what have you. And now, that you know, they're trying to build even more tension between all three of them. So I think this, uh it's going to be a really good triple threat match that they have. Considering John Cena's in it. However much you crap on John Cena, the dude... Puts on a solid match almost every time he's out there. He doesn't shit his pants when it's a big moment. He is not the greatest in the ring. He knows how to get the crowd involved. His punches suck. He calls his spots too loudly. There are many things you could complain about his overall performance. But on the whole... Similar to Roman Reigns, feels good. Del- they deliver in the biggest moments. I I wouldn't say Roman Reigns or John Cena in big matches where I'm like, that match really sucked. Just just imagine if it was John
0: Cena versus Roman Reigns. I would just want to kill myself. I would try to. I would end up going to like Kroger and buying a gallon of bleach and drinking it rather than watch John Cena fight Roman Reigns that's just my personal opinion that's and, gonna happen and, and some, here's the thing Cena on. doesn't have I know and that's the worst part Cena doesn't always have terrible matches'm I'll be the first one to admit it
1: you, when, you're he his, really harsh when he on had early when he had
0: when he had his 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 program that he had with Bray Wyatt a couple years ago he had awesome matches with Bray Wyatt when he was fighting AJ Styles oh excuse me oh, that didn't sound good when he had his, his program with AJ Styles during the summer, AJ Styles brought out the best in John Cena. John Cena hasn't always had terrible matches. It's just that
1: CM 80, Punk. Almost everybody, oh, CM Punk, yeah. He had great matches with CM Punk. he's gone against but, in the last few years. But, Even Brock Lesnar but, matches. Good matches. But, but Especially when he got his ass
0: kicked. 87% of John Cena's matches in his career have been horrible because he can't wrestle. And I know what you're going to say. I know exactly what you're going to say. Hulk Hogan couldn't wrestle either. Hulk, You know, people make fun of John Cena for his five moves of doom. And I understand that Hulk Hogan only had, like, you know, he would do his hulking up thing, and he would point at you, and he would punch. Thousands of people would go, you, and then he would punch, and he would punch, and he would punch, and then the guy would fall down. He would throw him against the ropes. He'd hit him with a big boot. He'd run across the ropes. He would hit him with a leg drop. I would fucking mark out like a madman, and he would win the match. And the and the sad part is about Hulk Hogan as a wrestler is that the best match that he had moves wise and wrestling wise his greatest match was when he fought Rocky Balboa at Wrestle at yeah, WrestleMania at, <laughs> during Rocky three as Thunderlips is <laughs> just it's an embarrassment that his Hulk Hogan is capable. His wrestling
1: match was against Great Muda.
0: Rocky Balboa. Great Muda, Rocky Balboa. Check it. You Great check Muda. it. You know I'll, I'll go get Rocky three right now. I'll we'll throw that shit right on this TV. We will watch Rocky three. We don't have to go that far into the movie because it's right at the beginning where Thunderlips tells Rocky Balboa lights out meatball, which is almost as funny as when Brock Lesnar went up to Hulk Hogan and said "Party's over, Grandpa" on his birthday, which I actually laughed so hard I peed my pants. True fucking story,
1: but. Did you crap your pants too?
0: No, I've only crapped my pants once since I was No, a baby. wait.
1: You, hey. Earlier in this podcast, you said you crapped your pants twice.
0: Yeah, when I when I met the Undertaker. Yes. So you said right.
1: you only crapped your pants once. As you as as, as an adult. Your pants twice? As as an
0: adult. Okay. As an adult, I've only crapped my pants once. What do you consider adult? 18? Uh, over 18, yes. Okay. If you're if you're if you're legally able to vote, buy lottery tickets, buy cigarettes, and buy porn, and not beer, and not but not beer unless you're in like Montreal or some other state like that, then you're considered an adult.
1: I cannot wait to go to the state of Montreal.
0: I want to drop kick you.
1: <laughs> I've always wanted to go
0: to Montreal and Canada. By the way, I've been to Toronto twice. I well, want.
1: It's where the family comes from. We're from Quebec. Canada, it's just. Hold on, you almost,
0: you almost, set, you almost set me up. You almost set me up <laughs> to give out what my last name is. I don't want to tell people <laughs> what my last name is. It's bad enough that there are people out there that watch this podcast and like, damn, he, that Rob, you know who is fucking doing this podcast. I don't want people to know what my real last name is. What? Who? Exactly. Bobby the brainless. Bobby the brainless. Bobby the brainless's ancestors are from Canada. Hate to burst your bubble there, Dad. I'm afraid I've got some bad news for you. We're
1: French-Canadian. Stop being a fucking guy and just tell the story. I'm
0: going to hit you in the head with a microphone. (laughs) I don't remember what the story was. All I said was I crapped my pants once since I turned 18. You can't even remember when. That's a big incident. Hell, if I remember, it was like three or four years ago. Oh, okay. That's all I remember. All right. I'm pretty sure I was so fucked up that I just, I I farted and a little shit came out. I (laughs) sharted. All right. That's all it was. I sharted. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Along came Polly. We've, we've, we've gone, we've, gone we've, off we've the rails. Just,
0: I mean, so like you know, <laughs> you know, the podcast was going this way. We kind of just went <laughs> on, that, on that topic and everything. Um, so anyway, let's get back onto the onto the topic and everything.
1: So um, we had AJ Styles beat De- Dean Ambrose, uh, which it? Uh, again it, it was a little bit a bit strange because they've got a triple threat coming up with Ambrose involved. So, how, how are you going to actually have Ambrose come off as a credible threat? He could be anybody, I guess, in the match if the timing's right, but, like, honestly.
0: Hey, 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 he beat up John Cena. He did. He's the face that runs the place.
1: No, AJ Styles is the face that runs the That's place. That's what you're talking about. No, I'm talking about
0: Dean Ambrose. Oh, Dean Ambrose could beat John Cena. Dean Ambrose could beat AJ Styles. Granted, in his match against AJ Styles, I'm sorry, I, I kind of had he a brain fart. He just part. lost. I understand. Twice. Did you shit your pants too? I might have. Okay. But um, honestly, with this whole triple threat thing, I honestly think that AJ Styles is going to end up on top. It's going to be one of those situations where. What I think is gonna happen is that Dean Ambrose is gonna hit dirty deeds on John Cena. AJ you know, before he gets to cover, AJ Styles is gonna go in, throw Dean Ambrose out of the ring, and then pin John Cena, and then he's gonna be like, I beat John Cena again you know, his whole you know, his just whole like moniker Cena. like he's been doing and everything. And you know, I, I, I think that AJ Styles is gonna have a, a legitimately long run as WWE World Heavyweight Champion. And just then to he's see gonna how...
1: lose to John Cena at WrestleMania. <laughs> I think it sounds so depressing. It is depressing. You know what I just realized? I'd rather ha- Not that I Go want ahead. this to happen. I'd rather have AJ Styles lose to John Cena at WrestleMania versus John Cena beating The Undertaker. I'd rather have
0: John Cena beat my mother at WrestleMania than have John Cena beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Carol. Carol. Carol doesn't even know I even have a podcast. Okay. So get off of that. All right. So, Jay, I was just thinking... Neither one of us has come up with a mark-out moment for this week so far. And, and, and I know that for a re- I have reasons without a shadow of a doubt of why I don't want to bring up the mark-out moment anymore. It's because, because of the fact that you're you on your, I, you're on your Goldberg esque streak right now where you wait, just I, can't lose.
1: I, I'm going to pull a double Donald Trump here and like, because quite frankly, you're a loser. I'm a winner. You're a loser. I have feelings too, you know. And because you're a loser, I I am going to name the mark out moment of the week. You don't even need to talk because I know I'm going to win.
0: (laughs) One of these times, one of these times, when you least expect it, you're either going to be walking up to the bathroom to take a leak or you're going to be going into the fridge to grab a beer or you're going to be making dinner in the kitchen or you're going to be taking out the trash or walking your dog or driving to work and you're when you least expect it i'm going to come from behind and i'm going to hit you in an RKO out of nowhere <laughs> and i'm going to, to explain to my cousin why i attacked her husband <laughs> and i'm going to say he called me a loser <laughs> and then and then she's going to she's going to pick me up and power bomb me into the car and then she's going to call my sister, and then my sister's going to come down there and kick my ass. <laughs> then she's going to call my dad, and he's going to show up and kick my ass. And I'm going to
1: be like, hey, he called me a loser. I was justified, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> but honestly, like, if I'm talking mark-out moment of the week,
0: and and, and, and a, a, very, a
1: things that are kind of close. In a
0: very lackluster week, I yeah. know we have to pick a mark-out moment, but we have to live the gimmick. We're the fucking marks. marks. And we already have one week we remissed the mark out moment of the week. And I'm 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 rather disappointed. And I would rather us agree on a mark out moment of the week than not have one. So hopefully we got one. I mean really, this week it was just one of those weeks like I said it was just lackluster. Yeah. So just to come up with a mark out moment of the week, we just need to come up with anything.
1: Honestly, my mark out moment of the week was when Corey Graves told like on commentary, said, you know, Enzo has that, you know, special mic specifically because, you know, people don't want to catch what he has. I lost my shit. That thing made me laugh my ass off. That's my markout moment of the week. It was between that or something from the highlight reel, but that was just, just a notch above. Now...
0: I was thinking about this from after I watched all three shows and heading into today and even up to about an hour before this podcast, I was thinking about for my markout moment of the week was going to be when they had the little highlight reel for the Miz and he had his homecoming and everything. And I thought that was really great and everything. But I said, you know what? I don't know what you have up your sleeve for your markout moment of the week, but I have to come up with something better. As much as I would love to do it for The Miz, and I'm sorry, Miz, that I'm not going to pick your moment as the mark-out moment of the week. But my mark-out moment of the week is TJ Perkins and his 8-bit entrance making its debut on Monday Night Raw. That that song is just fan-fucking-tastic. It's, it makes me really, I really feel like if I close my eyes, I feel like I'm playing regular Nintendo and I'm back in the 80s as a kid. So TJ Perkins, you are Bobby the Brainless's mark-out moment
1: of the week. And with that, the one, one, one big thing that we need to end this podcast with. Because it's the only thing on this podcast that we have
0: brought up. Every single week, we might be fucking marks and we might forget about our mark out moments of the week, but you can guarantee that today, October 1st, 2016, which also happens to be the birthday of said man, who officially at this moment is at 614 days Curtis Axel is still in the 2015 Royal
1: Rumble I, I can't add anything to that, that was phenomenal thank you and with that we, we close out episode 11 of the Fucking Marks podcast uh, follow us on twitter at the F- n underscore marks and on facebook it's the fn dash marks Uh, so take a moment follow us on both of those and uh, you know you'll get to see some content that we put up and our live podcast you know hopefully that i'm hoping this will become a weekly thing and we'll we'll see what happens
0: yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that we did this, just to see how we experimented with the live, broadcast, uh, the live broadcast of the podcast on Facebook Live. It's also to be seen on our Twitter pages. like Jay said. Just follow us on both, either follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. Uh,
1: we don't have a YouTube page, but we'll, we'll and we don't have, have any it. merchandise yet either, but anyway. That, 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 that would be a long way off, yeah. but anyway. Uh, Hope you really enjoyed the show, and we hope to see you next week. I'm Bobby the Brainless. I'm Ja Rule.
0: Thank you, you fucking